Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with us over to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I'm going to read verse number 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. I've heard a lot of people talking about the detoxing of the body, and I did some research on it, and I was amazed at the things that it supposedly does for the body. I want to compare that to the spirit and preach on the subject, soul detox. One of the first things they say that it will do for the body, boost your energy. This would make sense because while you're detoxing, you're stopping the influx of the things that cause you to need to detox in the first place. That sounds good to me spiritually. Stop the things that's causing us to need spiritual detox. They said the biggest thing that in detoxing helps with allowing the body to rid itself of excess waste that it's been storing. What excess weight are we carrying around as the people of God? It's easy to see how that a detox diet would cause you to lose weight in the short term But a healthier way to look at it would be to establish a long-term eating habits and rid yourself of unhealthy habits. That could be so spiritually. Some people have unhealthy habits. What are you feeding on? The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassionate about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily Beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Many things it says it'll do for your body, stronger immune system. I believe some folks need a stronger immune system spiritually. It don't take very much to seemingly knock them out of the race. One of the things that I believe we need to detox is resentment. Resentment is an all too common human emotion. The French word literally meaning intense feeling. Some people have an intense feeling towards others. In English, it is resent and refers to the feeling of pain, indignation due to an injustice or an insult. People may feel resentful when they are cheated on, stolen from, or lied to being insulted or having one's errors or weaknesses exposed. Resentment can be directed at an action, a statement, or a person, often an authority figure such as a parent, a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, and sometimes even God. Look at that word, resentment. How many of us in some way have been wronged by somebody? And if you haven't been wronged yet, live a little longer. Somebody will do you wrong. This feeling of being harmed may be in response to actual events, and sometimes it's purely imagined. In many instances, such feelings are irrational, but the individual is not able 
to see this. No matter how hard you try to convince them, that's not what really happened. You can never get it out of their mind. It's a negative message that's sent to our mind and then it's resent there and resent there and resent there and we allow it to dwell upon the mind. The most common reasons for resentment, attempts by others to control the life of an individual, failure of other people to react in a predicted way. If people act as if they're superior to the individual, many times they end up bitter. Other people getting in the way of individuals attempt to satisfy their own needs. People who say one thing but do another. Superiors who abuse their power. When other people say or do something that negatively impacts the individual's self-esteem. When other people lie. When people behave in a way that could be considered unjust. When people treat us in a way that we feel we do not deserve. Resentment is a mental process. With resentment, we repeatedly replay the feeling and the events leading up to the feeling that angers us. The more we think about it, the greater the resentment is. With resentment, we experience and relive the events in a way that affect us mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and in destructive ways. Resentment, I believe most of the time, if not all the time, it starts out small. It don't start out like a mountain. It starts out small, but unless it is released and removed, unless a person recovers from it by the help of God, it will eventually destroy life like a cancer. Yes, resentment is something that traps us. Resentment focuses on the past and ignores the future. People can't leave things back there. They have to keep bringing it up and using it in an argument. Resentment blocks love and forgiveness. It's something, if it's working in my life, in your life, we need to detox spiritually. Christ told a parable about a man who owed a large sum of money so large that it would be an impossibility for the average man to ever pay it back. The man was forgiven, but immediately he went out and demanded full payment of someone else who owed him a very small debt. And at the end of the parable, this is what Christ stated. Matthew 18, 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if ye from the heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. I say, dear ones, resentment is proof that we need detoxing spiritually. Something else that's harmful to Christians is envy. Proverbs 14, 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of bones. Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy. A modern word for envy is jealousy. What is envy? Envy is defined as a resentful emotion that occurs when a person lacks another person's perceived superior quality, achieved or possession, and wishes that the other person lacked it. Amen. Envy is one of the most potent 
causes of unhappiness. Not only is the envious person rendered unhappy by his envy, but they also wish to inflict misfortune on the other. I thank God that we should be able to appreciate the fact when somebody gets a nice house. Amen. We shouldn't start picking on somebody because they got a nice car. Some people can't enjoy the progress of others. I would venture to say that folks, that one of the principles, causes of evil is the sin called envy. Envy, left unchecked, becomes a primary instigator and propagator of every other evil thought and action imaginable. Envy is a characteristic of the wicked. It's a selfish ambition of greed, malice, and it can lead to murder. It's no wonder that James attributes the causes of fights and quarrels among the readers. He said, you desire battle within. And James 4, verses 1 and 2, from whence comes wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Folks, envy is crippling. A person with envy is a person with a troubled heart, a troubled mind, a troubled life. Envy cripples our ability to examine ourselves. The story of Cain and Abel, when God accepted the offering of Abel and rejected the offering of Cain, it made Cain very angry. Envy began to stew and boil in Cain's heart. And the Lord warned Cain of this brooding emotion. He tells him there in Genesis 4 and verse number 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. Instead of heeding God's warning, instead of examining himself, my friend, he let his enemy consume him, and he killed Abel. What is envy? Think about it. It's like this. I like what you've got, and I don't like the fact that you have it, and I want it. You ever feel that way? Does anybody you think like that about? The reason why that envy is so dangerous is because it leads a person in an ever downward spiral, and because it cripples the ability to examine ourselves, everything wrong or hurtful thing we do seems justified. Envy cripples our trust in God. One of the saddest things that happens when a person becomes envious, it leads them to feel insecure. With envy, you start taking things in your own hands instead of letting God take control. Amen. Envy cripples relationships. Not only did envy cripple the security of Joseph's brothers, it also crippled their relationship, but also between the brothers themselves as they would have to live with their actions the rest of their lives. And not only among their brothers themselves, but with their relationship with their father Jacob. This burden was only broken 
by Joseph's willingness to forgive them many years later. Envying others leads to bitterness in our talk and abruptness in our actions, backbiting, gossip, and slander. Envy can take you from being a close friend to being a bitter enemy. It can break up families, tear apart congregations, ruin communities. Envy also cripples the relationship you have with God. Envy cripples our respect for authority and leaders. The dangerous thing that happens when we envy our leadership, our pastor, our boss, our teacher, the police, is we risk being disrespectful and disobedient to them. In this case, envy usually begins to upset us about something the person in leadership has done, something we disagree with, and we start saying to ourselves, or maybe someone else, how did they ever get to be in such a position anyway? I could do a better job than they could. Better watch it. Scriptures teach that we are to bait those who've been placed in positions of authority and only in cases where their requests and teachings go contrary to the word of God do we disobey. Envy cripples our spiritual growth. Oh, we quote 1 Peter 2, verse number 2, many times, where it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Oh, we love that verse, but we forget about the verse before. There's a condition in the verse before, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envies and evil speaking. Amen. Those two verses really go together. And the implication made in this passage, if you don't rid yourself of malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind, you will not grow in your salvation and you will not grow spiritually. Envy is a worldly and sinful emotion. It is one of the most prevalent characteristics of today's society and hence, it is no wonder that James writes to the envious in James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. An envious spirit sets you against God. And the Bible says in James 4, 6, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble, when we see others who are being blessed, praise God. Don't let envy set its footmarks on your soul. Submit to God and resist the devil. It's one of the biggest tools that the devil uses is the tool of envy. So the next time that you're tempted, I like what you got. I don't like the fact that you have it, and I want it. You resist those feelings. Say instead, I like what you got, and I thank God that he's blessed you to have such a wonderful gift. Amen. Resist the devil. 
Which leads us to the next thought of soldi dogs. And that's something that we call unforgiveness. I said already, we've all been hurt. At times it may seem impossible to forgive the individual because of the pain. But as Christians, we're called upon to forgive as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Amen. True forgiveness is about giving up all rights to retaliate against the person who's wronged you and letting God handle it. Think about that. Have you done that? Followers of Jesus should try to forgive and not have the attitude, I'm gonna make them pay for this, I tell you. Unforgiveness is a willful choice to hold on to the hurt, to the anger, the hostility. In essence, we're denying the cross, which was the ultimate sacrifice for all wrongdoing. Refusing to forgive is a sin. In the Lord's Prayer, he showed us the importance of forgiving. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When the Lord told Peter, not seven times, but seven times 70, he wasn't trying to say, keep count. Once you come to 490, you can draw the line. Because if you're really forgiven, you're not keeping count. The Father will deal strictly with those who do not show forgiveness to people who wrong them. It affects our relationships. The bitterness caused by unforgiveness will result in others not wanting to be around us. Unforgiveness and bitterness will even affect our physical health, increased blood pressure, lots of other things on our spiritual life and relationship with God. Bitterness and anger hinder our prayer, our worship, our time spent in the Word of God. If you have an unforgiving spirit, acknowledge that because you need spiritual detox. You need to surrender your unforgiveness to God with God's help, not your own strength. No matter what's happened, friend, you can forgive the wrong that's been done unto you. Unforgiveness can be a lethal landmine in our lives, and if we don't allow God to take care of these wrongs that are done to us, then my friend, we'll end up in spiritual death. We must be sure to forgive those who hurt us and leave the rest to God no matter what the situation is. And many times people say, but I've got a right. You don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. You don't know what happened. And if you knew about the situation, friend, it doesn't matter about the situation. You know why? Because they haven't probably spit in your face yet, and they probably haven't beat you with a cat of nine tails, and they haven't nailed you to a cross yet. And I know a man they did all those things to and a whole lot more, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he's our example. And while they stoned Stephen, amen, he said, Lord, lay not this end to their charge. Now, I don't think anybody here has been treated like Jesus, and nobody here has been treated like Stephen. Nobody here has been treated like Paul. And so we can't say, I have my rights. No, friend, we lay down our rights when we get saved. Amen. And Jesus comes into our hearts and lives, and he empowers us to do the things that he asks us to do. 
And the fact that these things have been commanded in the Word of God is proof that God will give me the ability and God will give me the power to do what I need to do. I believe we need some spiritual detoxing. I really believe that. Last but not least, that's something else. We need to detox ourselves of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. How can many people be defiled because one person gets bitter, because one person shares it with the family. One person shares it with the close friends and relatives, and it grows, and it festers, and other people become bitter, and there's no end to it. Notice, my friend, the word bitterness comes from an old root word meaning to bite. That is the very suggestion of the word. Bitterness is like being bitten by the old serpent Satan, releasing his venom and poison into our heart and to our life. Bitterness is an emotional cancer which consumes many a person who once had the bloom of eternal springtime upon them. Bitterness is the offspring of an unhealed wound whose parents are unforgiveness and time. A bitter heart is always a bad heart. People sometimes even get bitter at God because God allows something. The longer you allow the root of bitterness to grow in the soil of your heart, the more love it will devour. Has unforgiveness and bitterness devoured any of the love in your heart? Every bitter person had his or her start through being offended by someone. Let me tell you something. I cannot control what happens to me. You cannot control what happens to you. Amen. But I can control how I react to them. You cannot control how people react to you, but you can control how you react to them. As a Christian, as Christ our Savior, as the examples of the men of God and the Word of God, look at Joseph. How did he react? These men are examples. Instead of dealing with the feelings of bitterness when they first sprout, what happens is that we provide the soil, the water, and the sun for the bitterness to cultivate in our lives. When we're envious, when we have resentment, when we have unforgiveness, when we have bitterness, we're giving place to the devil. We're giving the devil a place to work in our hearts and our lives. And the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. You know what I read? A rattlesnake. If cornered, they sometimes will get so angry that they will bite themselves. Bitterness is the biting of oneself. Amen. Bitterness is a plant that takes over in our lives, and when we're filled with bitterness, we are hurting ourselves. Instead of being handled by bitterness, we need to learn how to handle bitterness and defeat it. How do we get rid of it? Well, get a shovel and get a pick and start digging and dig it out by the roots. Dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness may not be easy because it's against our fleshly nature. But if bitterness is going to be dealt with, you gotta take some tough steps. If you have resentment, envy, unforgiveness, bitterness, might be something else we didn't mention. 
But you know the thing I like about God? He's faithful to go right down the alleys that I don't go down. You know what's hindering you spiritually. You know there's some things that you need detoxing of. If you read these things, you know what? He said it'll boost your spiritual energy. There's a reason why many professing Christians don't have the power that they need. Lay aside the weights. They said if you'll detox, that you're carrying around a lot of weight that you don't have to carry around. That's one of the benefits. How about spiritually? Laying aside the things that's hindering you. Amen. Helping our immune system. We need a stronger spiritual immune system. Promotes healthy changes. Clearer thinking. Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. So remember, dear ones, God knows exactly what we stand in need of. No doubt there's some of you who realize something's been chipping away at your soul. Remove it. Whatever's standing in the way, hindering you from being the person God would have you to be. God would have us to free ourselves from all the toxins that weigh our soul down. The psalmist said in Psalm 51, 7, purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Psalms 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. As I was thinking about this message, God only knows thousands of over the years who had things in their lives that was hindering them spiritually. They realized that through the preaching of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and laid the bitterness down, laid the unforgiveness down, laid the envy down, and the resentment, and the jealousy, and the anger, and went on for God. My people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I'm talking about what brings about a detox spiritually. What about it? Praise God. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.